title this morning, The Truth Will Set You Free. We're in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, if you would like a free Bible, there's one right in the chair in front of you. Um, You can have that Bible, you can take it home. And the truth will set you free. Um, How many of you heard that verse before? Yeah, we use that verse a lot. There's a lot of verses in the Bible. One that, that, um, um, that I preached on about a month ago that said a lot, where two or more are gathered, he is there in the midst. And I heard that again this week, and I leaned over to the pastor next to me, and I kind of chuckled because we use that verse as a way of saying that God is with us when two or three are gathered. That's not what it means. Uh, and I shared it with you a month ago. Uh, it means that he is with us when we follow through on church discipline. And so the pastor and I chuckle because a lot of times we just want to say that, oh, God is with us because we have two or more. No, go home, go out, and go for a walk, okay, today, all by yourself. Guess what? God is with you. Because if you have the Holy Spirit in you, then God is with you. So uh, this verse here, I want to make sure we get right too. The truth will set you free. In John chapter 8, verse 32, the truth will set you free. How many of you have been lied to? Did you like it? How did it make you feel when someone lied to you? Yeah, you're angry. Yeah, you don't like it. What makes a lie worse is when you actually believe the lie. When you believe the lie. I think that makes it much worse because if you believe the lie, it takes you down a road where it can lead to some disappointment and some frustration and some anger. Um, I remember growing up, I believed this lie. I became a young man and uh, entered into the working world, and I had it in my mind, I believe, truly believe, that if I made a bunch of money, I would be happy. There's a lot of young people that believe that today, that if I just make a lot of money, if I'm successful, then I'm going to be happy. Well, I got to the end of that road, and I wasn't happy. I made a lot of money, just a third year into into working, and it was just short-lived. It just didn't make me happy. So maybe you believe that someone was going to make you happy if you could just be with them, or something would make you happy if you could just get that something. But in the end, we all sing the same song, that number one hit by the Rolling Stones. I can't get no (laughs) satisfaction. You can try and you can try and you can try, but you'll sing it again and again and again. I can't get no satisfaction from the things of this world. You can't. It's a lie, and you need the truth, because the truth sets you free. When you believe a lie, ultimately you become a prisoner to that lie. I don't know if you ever thought about that way, but when you believe a lie, you become a prisoner to the lie. But when you believe the truth, when you know the truth, the truth can actually set you free. And uh, if you think to yourself, well, I'm not a prisoner to, to any lies, well, the Jewish people didn't think that they were prisoners or or slaves to sin either, and Jesus set them straight, and we're going to see that in this particular chapter. They needed the truth just like we need the truth, and I'm hoping God opens your eyes to the truth, and uh, that's ultimately what testimonies are all about. Bill shared his life um, this morning, and I wanted him to sort of set up the message in the sense that, you know, when you live for Christ your whole life, and, and you honor him, um, God opens up a lot of doors, and he frees you from, from any lies. And, and I don't want us to, to believe any lies. So we're in John 8, and we're picking up, uh, well, we're actually at the beginning. We're ending where we picked up yet, uh, last week, and that was the, the time where Jesus was teaching, 
at the Feast of the Tabernacles. The Feast of the Tabernacles is a big deal uh, for uh, Jewish, it's a big Jewish festival, and it was an eight-day event. Remember I said that last week if you were here? If not, you, you hear it on, the, uh, on our YouTube site and our website. But um, after Jesus taught on one of the days, we don't know which day it was, but there was eight days, basically, that they gathered in the temple. And at the end of the day, Jesus went to, or they went to his house. Um, bring it up here in verse, it's actually the end of chapter 7. Sometimes the uh, organizers of the, the Bibles, um, I don't know why they get it like this. Why would they end verse 53? But anyway, each one went to their own houses, verse 53. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives because, believe it or not, Jesus, during his ministry, was basically homeless. He could have gone to someone's house. I'm sure they invited him over. But he chose to go to the Mount of Olives, probably to be by himself, and uh, that's the way it was. So here you are, early in the morning of verse 2, early in the morning, he comes back to the temple, and all the people sat down, and Jesus began to teach them, just like I'm teaching you now. I'm, I'm, I'm right in the, kind of in the midst of this, this message, and imagine if right now, through the doors, came some people, some religious experts, and our security back there, Lance, couldn't stop them, they, they were... They were rushing in here with three or four guys, and they had in their, in their midst uh, a woman, half naked, and um, she just was yelling and hollering and let go of me, and, and they, this is what happened. They brought in a woman. It says here in verse 3, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman in who had been caught in adultery, and they placed her in the midst, and they said to Jesus, they interrupted his teaching, to try to trick him, they said, Teacher, we caught this woman in the act of adultery in the law. And we've talked about the law on Wednesday nights. If you want to come join us on Wednesday night, we're in the Ten Commandments. And we're talking about the, the law here. 613 commands they had, and this is one of them. Moses said that if someone is caught in adultery, you should stone them. That is basically end their life. What do you say? In verse 6 it says, they tested Jesus. They were trying to trap him so they could bring a charge against him. Jesus just bent down and wrote something on the ground. Now, you know in our law today, and if you don't know, you should watch more um, criminal FBI shows or something, I guess, and you'll know. If a detective doesn't follow the proper procedure, that criminal could potentially what? Walk, right, they're free. And the same went for the Jewish people. Their law, they, they, there was some proper procedures that had to take place. In the case of adultery, you had to catch the person in the act. It wasn't enough to see them leaving the house with their hair all messy and their shirt untucked. You had to catch them in the act. That means that these religious leaders, these men, went into that person's house, busted through the door, and saw them in the act, and you have to have witnesses. So it wasn't just one person who did it, it was multiple people that did it. Now, they dragged this woman to Jesus. But if you read the law, which I will tell you in Deuteronomy 22, 22, you will see they forgot someone. They forgot the proper procedure. 
And this really just reveals their hypocrisy. Because in verse 22 it says, If a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman, you shall purge this evil from Israel. God um, wanted them to take care of both parties. But they only brought the the woman. They didn't bring the man. So why didn't they bring the man? Well, one could surmise that it was probably their friend. (laughs) And why? uh, uh, how, How did they know where to find them? And when to find them? Everybody else was at the temple. Well, this kind of tells you that this was an ongoing affair. This was a regular thing that was happening. They were able to, on kind of cue here, find them. This was their lifestyle of sin. The religious experts found uh, a way that they thought could trick Jesus, trap him, and how did he respond? Scholars want to know what Jesus wrote on the ground. I'm going to tell you what I told you before. He was playing tic-tac-toe with his father. He invented it, I'm telling you. You don't believe me? Well, we can't prove it either way. Verse 7, they continued to ask Jesus. And he stood up and said, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, They went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? In verse 11, she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. How many of you love that story? I know a lot of people love that story. Jesus is a very loving God. But there are some that love the story for the wrong reason. They love it because they see Jesus as a God who won't condemn them. Who won't ask them to repent of their lifestyle of sin. Who won't... Do you know what the word condemn means? Here, It means sentence to hell. That's what that means. Eternal separation from God. That's what the word condemn here means. Jesus didn't condemn her. And there's a lot of people, a lot of liberal Christians, a lot of non-Christians, and I hope not a lot of Christians in this church that believe that Jesus is such a loving God that we are free to do whatever sin we want to do. That's not true. That's not true, and that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying what the world tends to say today. The world likes to say that Jesus won't condemn you. God loves everyone. And God is tolerant of every lifestyle of sin. Isn't that about how the world is spinning it today? You must be tolerant of everyone's sin and lifestyles and all of that. This woman was having an affair. She was living in sin as an adulterer, and Jesus didn't say it was okay, and Jesus didn't tolerate it. Let me help you understand this last verse here that you see on the screen, verse 11. He's basically saying, 
I'm not condemning you right now. But stop living this way. Turn away from your lifestyle, because if you don't, then you will be condemned later on. That's really what Jesus is saying here. So I hope that we will understand this verse better. You can't go on living a lifestyle of sin and expect to go see and meet God and him say to you, yeah, welcome. We love, we love all kinds here. No. There's, heaven is perfect. It's a perfect place. You, you can't, sinners don't go there. You have to be forgiven. You have to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying today, whether it's an affair, whether it's an addiction, whether it's homosexuality or pornography or witchcraft, and if you want to read Galatians 5, 9, and 10, you'll see a big long list of the lifestyles of sin that people are in. Jesus says it's not okay to live in sin. Leave that life behind. Stop justifying your choices. Stop making excuses. Every sinful lifestyle ends with a terrible outcome. A hurtful one. A troublesome one. But if you want out, Jesus says, I can help you. You can't do it on your own. Maybe some of you have tried. You get caught up in that lifestyle of sin, and you've tried to get out of it, and you can't. You could get, you know clean yourself up for a little while. But you can't get out of it all the way, can you? You keep going back to it. Well, the only way that you can get out, the only way is that Jesus provides the solution. Jesus sheds the light on the solution. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The solution is to walk with Jesus, to follow him. He's the light of the world. Can we sing that this morning? He is the light of the world. We skip down to John 8, verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. This is how a real Christian lives their life. They abide in the word. You know what it means to abide? It means to live, to live in God's word. God's word will allow you to take captive every lie that's in your head and make it obedient to the truth. That's what, that's what God's word allows you to do. If you allow it, if you take in the word, you will start to see that you've been believing maybe some lies. And you can take those captive and you can make them obedient to the truth. And what does the truth do? Verse 32. Truth will set you free. That's right. And here's what you need to know. The truth is not a concept. The truth is a person. The truth, the truth is Jesus. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the one who sets you free from all your sin. Verse 33, they counter, countered Jesus. They said, we're, we're an offspring of Abraham. We come from Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Well, I think this verse right here is a warning to religious people. I've heard it said religion is man's way of messing up his relationship with God. Religion's man's way of messing up his relationship with God. Because if religion comes down to the rules and the commandments that you must follow to 
get closer to God, to be saved, then you're totally missing the boat. You're totally missing it. It's a relationship. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Lauren Daigle sings, I'm losing my religion to find you. That sums it up, doesn't it? Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. And these Jewish people thought, man, our bloodline traces back to Abraham. And Abraham, we know, God loved. He's a man of faith. They thought it would save him. I want to warn you today that religion can't save you. Not baptism, not catechism, not regular attendance on Sundays, not communion, not reciting prayers. Those things will not save you. And using a football term, these are Hail Marys God doesn't catch. Let that one sink in. The only way to be truly free, righteous in God's eyes, is to follow Jesus. You need Jesus. He sets you free. He tells them in verse 34, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Apostle Paul really does a wonderful job. Uh, We don't uh, have the time this morning to, to break down Romans 6. But if you go home and read Romans 6, you'll see some of these verses in here is exactly what Jesus said. That we are sinners by nature. We, we are slaves to sin until he sets us free. Verse 6, he says, Our old self was crucified with him so that our body of sin might be brought to nothing and we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And then Romans six seventeen, he says, Thanks be to God, you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching which you were committed, and you have been set free. I like this word, set free, because it's the same word that Jesus uses when he says the truth will set you free. We use four words, will set you free. The Greek, the original word, is one word, and it's eleutheru, but it, it means to deliver, to liberate. That's what Jesus does. He deliberates. He he, he liberates you. He delivers you from sin. And then, of course, if you follow the Romans road, if you've ever shared your faith with someone, you would use Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's how he ends Romans 6. He tells you how you once were a slave to sin, but in Christ you are delivered. You are liberated. Many of you know we have this um, wonderful dog named Millie. You you know what our dog looks like. That's her on the boat. She's a Brittany Spaniel. This is our family pet. How many of you have a family pet and you love them and you'd do anything for them? Yes. I've noticed that about uh, pets. They are um, a member of the family. And our dog here is a bird dog and loves to go hunting. It's in her nature to hunt, but we live in the city. So she has to uh, be in a fenced-in yard, and when we go for a walk, she has to be on a leash. And we even have a special one that, so she can't pull, because literally she'll just pull and go and go and go and chase after all kinds of things. Well, a month or so ago, on a Wednesday night, I came home from church 
took out the garbage, and left the gate open. The next morning, Jamie let her out, first thing in the morning, and she found her way out. And she went missing for a few hours. And uh, I was awakened, uh, I think about 5 o'clock, and you know, I immediately got on my clothes, grabbed my keys, and started driving around. Drove around for an hour, couldn't find her. You know, Jamie went looking. She put it all over social media. You know, people got out of their houses and went looking for Millie. <laughs> Everywhere they were looking for our dog. And um, she uh, was missing until about an hour after it got light out. Um, she has a QR code on her leash. And uh, the person took a picture of it. It brought up my information. She called. I went and got her. When I picked her up, her head was bleeding. Her paws were all cut up and scraped up so bad she couldn't really even walk. Shaking so badly. She thought she was free. And I tell you this story because in our nature, we believe, our nature of our sinful nature, we believe we're free, and we want to roam free. But when you roam free in the darkness, when you walk in the darkness, you will eventually get beaten up, cut up, and bleed. That's the truth. I don't want you to hurt yourself, and I don't want you to live as a prisoner of sin. I want you to abide with Jesus. Do you know when our dog is the most happy or the happiest dog in the whole wide world when she's with her family. When my wife takes her for a long walk, when I take her hunting in the woods, when she sits at the end of Ellie's bed and looks out the window, when Ethan wrestles with her all over the house. She is the happiest dog when she is with her family. And you know when you'll be the happiest? When you abide with Jesus when you walk with Jesus. Paul said in Romans 8, 2, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And he said again in Galatians 5, 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery today. If you want to be free from your sin, if you want to be liberated, delivered from a lifestyle of sin, from believing a lie, from believing that religion can save you, something you've done in the past, some sacrament or, or something or that you're currently doing, those things don't save you. If maybe you've returned to a sin, maybe you're, you're dabbling in some things that you know are not right and you want a way out, all you need to do is come to Jesus and abide in him. He's the truth. He can set you free.